The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson. Happy May to everyone. We have begun a new month and with it all sorts of new opportunities. I had so much fun putting together last week's dive into pitching prospects. I figured why not look at the other side, my personal interest, which is hitting. So I rounded up some more names for us to go through. We'll actually be looking at two hitters per level that are making an early impact and providing some possible dynasty value. Also, we'll talk about who are already up or could be up in the next wave of position player promotions in the next couple of months. And on that note, I actually want to start in reverse and and start there about that upcoming wave of hitters. Today is Sunday, May 1st. It looks like we'll be seeing another major league debut today. Now, I've seen three pronunciations of this name, so bear with me. I've seen El Uris. I've seen Elauris and Aliris Montero for for the Colorado Rockies. I have no idea which one is correct there. Uh, if you do know, please you know tweet at me, find me in the Discord, uh, and let me know. But Montero originally uh, a member of the Cardinals organization. Surprise, surprise! A, a Cardinals prospect going elsewhere. Of course, he of course he was seen as kind of the crown jewel of the infamous Arenado trade. Good power, but the concern, of course, was K-rate and just being able to hit consistently enough uh, to be a major league impact player. But since joining the Rockies and playing ball in uh, 2021 and forward, he's put together a 282, 357, 506 line combined. So the hit tool at the upper minors has been there. Now we have a chance to see him at the major league level. I don't know that he will stick as far as um, staying up for good after today. He's starting today in place of an injured Chris Bryant. So unless there are additional injuries uh, for the Rockies or he just really tears the cover off the ball from the get-go, I I think he'll probably end up getting an option back down for a bit. But I personally do think he'll boomerang himself back up to the big leagues at another point this season. With Montero's promotion, we really do have a bevy of some hot-hitting prospects that are pushing their way 
two promotions. Some of them are obvious. Adley Rushman has looked really good in his rehab stints at High Aberdeen uh, since coming back from that elbow injury. I still really think that he'll debut in the next two to three weeks for the Orioles uh, as long as everything stays uh, clean and healthy for him. Nolan Gorman and Michael Bush uh, have been two bad first prospects uh, for veteran heavy teams, but they are some of the hottest hitters that we have in the minors right now. And I do think that they'll both get at least a cup of coffee by June if they keep up their pace. And you also have Luis Garcia of the Nationals, who's scalding hot. They've yo-yoed him in the past, kind of optioning him up and down. And there's really no reason for him to spend more time at AAA Rochester based on what he's been producing. And honestly, I think he should be up before Adley is up, not from a talent standpoint, just from a production and also a needs standpoint. The Nationals don't have much of anything going on in their middle infield. So there's really not a reason I can see, a good reason, I should say, that I can see for Garcia not coming up and staying up this time around for the Nationals for the rest of the season. And uh, another couple of um, other names to round out this sort of May and June cohort of potential promotions, uh, lesser known name, Cal Mitchell of the Pittsburgh Pirates, And he's one of several outfield prospects that they have, but he's performing at a level, I think, kind of above expectation. And he might be pushing uh, his way into a promotion by the end of June if if we're trying to put some sort of timelines on these sorts of things. And lastly, I do want to mention Shay Langoliers of the Oakland A's now, formerly, of course, of the Atlanta Braves. And there had been some debate about how much fantasy impact Langoliers would really have when he was top five or prospect for Atlanta seemed like he might be a better real life player than fantasy and that tends to be the case uh, especially for young catchers Um, that's just one of those positions catchers uh, sometimes second baseman as well where it's just you can see them being good defensively but it's a question of are they going to hit at a point where it's going to make an actual impact for um, a fantasy team, unless, you know, unless you're talking about something that's super deep or super specific. But for Langoliers, since arriving in the Oakland system, he's seen the K rate drop by about 6% from his double A rate in 2019. And his walk rate jumped up about 5% in that same sort of time compared to that same sort of time frame. Uh, and he's maintained some decent power throughout. So uh, he might be at the tail end of June, maybe a July call up and a, could be giving us some more fantasy value than we originally expected. So keep an eye on that as well. On that note, let's take a break. We're going to pay some bills and then we're going to come back and go level by level with early season hitting prospects to know. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. So let's kick things off in AAA. Uh, Our first AAA prospect is a guy that we've been waiting on for a couple of years now, and he's coming back from injury, and that's Royce Lewis of the Twins. And I'll admit, I wasn't super excited by Lewis coming out of spring training this season. I know he's coming off of injury again, but the mechanics and just the performance, it didn't make me sit up and and really take notice. Uh, It it was just the the mechanics were still kind of funky. His his helmet kept coming off his head every almost every time he was swinging, which not only is that sort of just a general annoyance um, to me, it just made it seem like he was really out of whack. And and it may have been more of a aesthetic uh, sort of what my eyes were seeing than actual mechanics, but it just seemed like he, he wasn't, completely in order yet but since being in in triple a's looked really good uh through the early parts of the season even though he has some very good underlying numbers i still am not sure that if i did roster lewis that i wouldn't still be trying to look to deal him just based on name recognition alone him being known and being healthy now you might be able to see uh if you can get somebody to bite on just knowing who Royce Lewis uh, is and, and his sort of pedigree. Um, he is batting 306, 427, 542. He does have five stolen bases as well at the AAA level. The sort of caveat to that is that he only has 12 extra base hits total. And I think he's already somebody who there was a, a major question about his game power to begin with. So when you look at only having 12 extra base hits total, and he's somebody that we weren't really sure what his game power was looking like. Um, again, just some other, I don't want to say red flags, maybe some orange flags for me there. Uh, he's posted double-digit home runs only once in his career, and that was 12 combined in 2019 between levels, 10 of which were at high A. So, again, looking ahead, the Twins aren't nearly as bad as they were last season, at least so far. They're actually on top of the AL Central, and they may not need uh, or may not feel the need to rush Lewis along. And again, just like pretty much any Twins position player that's a prospect these days, there's still a question of where where do you put him, right? If you you, you have Correa at uh, shortstop, obviously, if you're the Twins, you have Polanco now at second. Um, you had to reconfigure things to move Reyes around to put Polanco at second. Again, there's just really not a spot that you can easily see um, putting Royce Lewis, they already have some questions. You know, they they pushed Austin Martin to the outfield, um, and they have him in the outfield in the minor leagues as well. So you're trying to figure out where he's going to go. They already have a bunch of other outfielders that they're trying to make space for. So, um, those two things, them being decent and not really having a set spot, maybe Lewis just kind of cools his heels for a while longer. And again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Twins uh, look to get aggressive in the trade market to upgrade their pitching. Specifically, Lewis might be the exact type of piece that helped them land a splashier uh, player. 
it may be prudent if you're a Royce Lewis manager to do the same and at least shop him around. The second AAA prospect to talk about is a Los Angeles Dodger, and that's first baseman slash outfielder Ryan Noda. Now, Noda is 26. Um, The ceiling isn't super high here, but he seems kind of just destined for some sort of major league role. He's a lefty corner bat. It's a three true outcome profile. Uh, the Dodgers got him for Toronto. And when pretty much inevitably LA goes to make a push to get another player for their playoff hunt this year, I'd be kind of shocked if Noda wasn't involved in the package being sent. Um, again, he has a walk rate that's never been under 15% at any level. He gets extra base hits like clockwork. The biggest thing is, can he keep the K rate down to where it's manageable? Right now, it's sitting at 26.4. Last season, it finished uh, finished at 26.7. So if he can keep it just right where it is, you know, if you bring it down a couple of notches, that's even better. But just making sure it doesn't climb, it's possible that he ends up as a platoon, of course. But that's just a name and a profile that I would set aside if I'm in a deep dynasty league. And quite honestly, maybe even in redrafts, because if he does get dealt and winds up getting some late season playing time on a bad team, that could be uh, Ryan Noda could be an exceptionally cheap source of home runs and on base percentage. Let's go down uh, one level to double A. And I sort of cheated with this first player uh, for three reasons. A, he's very well known as a prospect. So this really isn't telling you about somebody that you don't already know or shouldn't already know. And because he's very well known, he's not going to be widely available in most leagues either. This guy is probably somebody that got drafted or traded for and has been snapped up. Uh, and and the, the manager has been just waiting for this guy to get a call up um, since he was drafted. And see our last reason uh, he's probably, he probably should be on that May June promotion list that I was reading off because of how well he's done thus far. And that's uh, outfielder Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And to see Carroll come back from the sort of freak shoulder injury that he had hitting a home run um, last season, only seven games into the season, it's really been remarkable seeing him come back. There's little to no rust, no real hesitance in his play. And he's kind of uh, essentially picked up from where he was leaving off last season. He's a true five category player. Right now, he's batting 344, 456, 641. He's got four homers, five stolen bases. We know the hit tool is solid. The outfield defense is center field caliber. There's no concern about him getting moved off that position. The Diamondbacks are going to be forced to call him up very soon. And if you have him rostered, I think you're going to enjoy what you're going to get. If you're in a redraft league, I consider picking him up uh, depending on the categories, depending on the number of roster spots, but he has the hit tool and the uh, ability to get on base and steal bases so that even if he's batting low in the order, even if he's not necessarily uh, hitting a bunch of home runs, you're still looking to get value in that redraft, even if it's just, again, cheap stolen bases and cheap OBP if you're in an OBP uh, league. Uh, he may not be hitting home runs out the gate like I was saying but he he was never going to be a 25 plus guy in my estimations anyways but 
He should be good for working walks, spraying singles and doubles around, stealing bases, and probably scoring uh, runs for you because he's such an intelligent base runner and has the speed as well. So um, Corbin Carroll, again, not telling you guys about anyone that you shouldn't already know, but I think there is uh, a uniqueness to him in that redraft approach, especially. The next name that I want to highlight, however, is definitely not well known, judging by that 6% roster rate on fan tracks that he has, even though that's actually pretty much doubled from where it was a couple of weeks ago. And I may be butchering this name. That's Estery Ruiz of the San Diego Padres. And I had never heard of this young man until about a week or so ago. Uh, His OPS is at 1135. He reached base at least once in each of the first 17 games of this season. So definitely jumped on the radar. Ruiz is a guy who hadn't had a K rate under 25% in his first four seasons, three of which were as a teenager in the Royal system. Now it seems like he's matured in his understanding of the zone. I've watched some video and I'm planning to watch some more, but what I've seen so far, he has good plate coverage. He's got solid mechanics, quick wrists, He's always had high stolen base totals even before the rule changes. So there's speed that can play. And it looks like San Diego has committed to him being a outfielder full time. So now instead of an infielder from a fantasy standpoint, that should make you feel pretty good because there's definitely an easier path to playing time in San Diego in the outfield versus on the dirt, especially at the left side of the infield. If he can keep it up, this is a potential 15 and 20 type of guy with the possibility for surprisingly high OBP, I strongly suggest flagging him on your short list, if not just out and out adding him to your roster if you have the space. Our high A standouts are a couple of middle infielders, shortstop Mason Wynn of the Cardinals and second base slash shortstop Cesar Prieto of the Baltimore Orioles. Wynn's name might be familiar to some of you as the prep draftee in 2021 that was touted as a potential two-way player, um, had some pitching under his belt and seemed like a, a pretty live arm, but the Cardinals rather alertly had when dropped the pitching and focused just on being a position player. His first year could probably be rated as average. He didn't show a ton of carrying tools other than his ability to get on base. Uh, he did have 60 strikeouts um, to 40 walks in low A, but in his first foray into high A ball, that walk rate plummeted while the strikeout stayed around the same. This year, however, Wynn has brought his walk rate all the way up to 12.9%, while the current strikeout percentage is 14.5. He is being buoyed by an unsustainable bad of 432. But even with that stabilizing, you can see that Wynn has shown the ability the dry balls and to make hard contact. The next question for him will be how much power can be developed. Um, He's right now sitting, I believe just on the one home run for the Orioles. Prieto is part of their newly built international pipeline after about a decade of absence from the world stage. He's a 23 year old. He has several years of experience on the Cuban national team and playing in the, in the Cuban national league. Uh, Prieto is a bit older than normal for high a, but To me, it's encouraging to see him succeed uh, so much early against younger competition. Um, I never like playing the, well, he's too old for this level, so what 
type of card because it, that thinking never really seems to work in reverse. If Prieto was batting 220, hitting a lot of weak ground balls or striking out a lot, then you can definitely hear a lot of people in the fantasy community probably saying, oh, well, he's a waste of money. Uh, he's 23 and he has experience. He really should be performing better than this. So, you know, if he is performing uh, where we think a 23-year-old against high A pitching should be performing, then let's give credit where credit is due. And he's also shown some additional pop uh, more than I think was expected. He's posted seven home runs so far on the season. Now, again, that also could be feasting off of less experienced uh, pitching, but we'll we'll take what we can get um, based on what he's showing. So I'm eager to see him at double-A buoy soon. I think it will probably be um, in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, let's see. We're, again, we're starting May. So I could definitely see the orders making a few different promotions. We already talked about Alley um, around Memorial Day-ish or so in the next, you know, two or three weeks. I could see maybe a couple of other promotions following um, suit and Prieto definitely being at the top of that list. I definitely grab him in dynasty leagues. The Orioles have no reason not to give him the runway to earn the starting second base job in the big leagues. Uh, his teammate at Aberdeen, Connor Norby, is also doing quite well, but he's a couple years younger. So they, there's a gap there um, as far as experience. I don't know that the Orioles want to commit somebody like Gunnar Henderson to second base either. Seems like they want to keep him on the left side, either shortstop or third base. So the competition seems to be kind of thin. Um, thin enough that I think Prieto, if he remains on this track, he could be the starting second baseman in Baltimore probably by the middle of 2023. You know, when when we get into the summer months of 2023, all things being considered. So definitely take a look at Prieto in your league. I wouldn't necessarily touch him in a redraft. He, he's not bringing you that sort of value like some of the other names that we've mentioned. But in Dynasty, if uh, he wasn't already selected through, you know, FYPD or something of that nature due to his international status, if he's just hanging out on the waiver wire, I'd say maybe take a flyer depending on the roster spots or at least, you know, get put the star next to his name, whatever the case might be, and keep an eye out. Uh, maybe double A is that make or break like it is for so many different prospects. And that might be what shows us whether he's really is going to stick or maybe there is going to be more uh, negative regression. But so far, I like what I'm seeing from uh, Cesar Prieto. And our last level is low A. Um, of course, that's the most difficult to assess because of the variance in talent and, and just general competition. But these two players have shown brightly throughout April. And that's a shortstop, uh, Adiel Amador of the Rockies and outfielder Pete Crow Armstrong of the Cubs. For Amador, it's sort of funny because two levels above him, teammate Ezekiel Tovar has been the one stealing most of the early press, and that started all the way back in spring training. But Amador has been quietly putting up some similarly impressive numbers. He has six home runs, four doubles, 16.3% walk rate against 11.6% K rate. And what's most significant to me is that's all with a 321 BABIP. So it's not purely luck-based at a lower level of competition, but it does seem to be showing off some real skills for Amador. In the case of PCA, 
this is finally looking like the player that we've been waiting for since he was drafted back in 2020. Obviously, we know about the trade. We know about the injury. He had a slow start to this year, uh, and most of the Cubs' top hitting prospects had a slow start as well. But he seemed to have turned it on since that first week or so. And the biggest piece of, of the good news coming is that the power is starting to show up. He's hit three home runs so far. Um, so just overall, Armstrong uh, seems to be healthy, seems to be comfortable at the plate. Uh, he might actually be available in some mid to deep dynasty leagues if a manager who had drafted him maybe got tired of waiting for him, got a little impatient. Uh, but I would think in most leagues, he's, he's been already uh, picked up and, and sitting on the bench somewhere or sitting in a, a you know farm system minor league spot. Uh, you may be able to swing getting him if you're interested as a throw in. If you're negotiating kind of a, a, a larger trade, he might be a guy that you can kind of haggle around and see if you can get him added. Again, like I said, if you're just targeting Pete Crow Armstrong himself, probably not going to be available. So that's the list that we have um, of hitting prospects that are standing out early in the season with uh, the season officially a month into the swing of things. So now I want to shift to uh, a little different part of the podcast. I guess something that I'm going to add a bit of a mailbag section. Um, I was looking to do a, a whole mailbag episode, but um, now I'm thinking maybe we can just keep this going as as part of the part of the weekly episode. Just sending me your questions via uh, Twitter, via Discord. Uh, if you're in the PL server, obviously, if you're in the PL Plus server. Uh, send them my way uh, even via email if you want to go pseudo old school you can send it to the email address uh, which is inside fastball newsletter at gmail.com but I have a couple of questions here and I want to get to them uh, because I told the good folks that I would answer them Um, these two questions that I'm going to answer are from and I apologize if I'm if I'm not pronouncing the last name but Derek Touche I want to say he sent this to me via Twitter, Derek underscore Touche. Uh, two questions here. Who do you prefer of Royals first baseman uh, or first base prospects, uh, Nick Prado or Vinny Pasquantino? And second question, how do you go about trading for and away prospects to get proper value? I'll tackle the first question about the Royals first base prospects. I'll be honest, I've been talking about Nick Prado early this season simply because of his pedigree, and it seemed like he had definitely a a bad year in uh, 2019 before kind of turned things around last year, of course, and then we were looking at some some more, looking forward to some more positive performance this year. uh, The swing and miss is still there, so that's a little disconcerting. I I was kind of hoping and wanting to believe that that was going to be gone. And that's why I was, or I shouldn't say gone, but uh, lowered, decreased some. And like I said, with his pedigree, if you look before 2019, just everything else lined up and, and he looked really, really good. Um, and Pasquantino obviously is a, a little bit more of a pop-up with his 2021 really being his claim to fame. And I'll, I'll admit like, I was riding for Prado, but right now it looks like Pasquantino is the guy. Now, the other reason I like Prado is he has a little bit of versatility. They've been trying him in the outfield some. Actually, as I'm winding this podcast down, we got word that MJ Melendez will be getting called up um, with Cam Gallagher going to 
the DO uh, to the, or I'm sorry, to the IO, um, the 10 day IO. Uh, so, you know, we know that Melendez between cashing and first base and maybe DH, uh, Prado, they've been doing first base and kind of corner outfield spots, right field, a little bit of left field. The reason why I was kind of low on Pasquantino, not from the hitting standpoint, just from the fact that he was first baseman only. He, he's the he's the only guy that they can't really put or haven't at least tried to put anywhere else. And I just didn't know how was he going to crack into the lineup if he only had that one position. And they obviously aren't looking to move away from uh, Santana and the like as of yet. But performance is where it's at for me, and Pasquantino has been doing it. So if you are still um, if you're still out there, Derek, and, and looking for an answer uh, to this, or you just, you know, general curiosity, I say Vinny P. Now, what I'm curious about with Pasquantino is the power standpoint, home runs specifically. I think he has the hit tool down pat, and I think he has the eye um, and the discipline to to give you – value when it comes to either batting average or OBP power wise, especially as a first baseman, is he going to be a 20 plus Homer guy consistently or is it a possibility that he could be more of just like a mid to high teens home run guy, which isn't terrible, but I think it changes the valuation. I I don't know. That's kind of me just speculating. I think as the Kansas city, the, the new, the next, great Kansas city Royals team rounds into shape uh, that provides Pasquantino with the possibility to be a run generator with having the Bobby Wood juniors and the like uh, batting around him. But, you know, again, if, if you're looking at first baseman power is definitely the name of the game. And I could see where the power may dip a little bit for Pasquantino, maybe a, a few more doubles than home runs for him. But Still, overall, I think right now is Vinny P over Nick Prado, uh, and and I guess that could be subject to subject to change. The second question is really interesting. How do you go about trading for and away prospects to get proper value? I mean, I think the the key the, the thing that you circle in that question is proper value and defining that. What does that mean? Um, I don't think there's a set. There's not a set valuation. Uh, especially when we talk about prospects for, for proven major leaguers, right? If you want to say, Hey, Corbin Burns, the value is X, right? You need to be getting this player or package of players back. I think that's fine. Right. I think he, he, you have enough data points to make that case prospects. You really don't, you, you really are. You're, you're speculating, you're hoping, right? That's, that's the whole name of the game that you think, based on what they've done, that it will also turn into something else. So when you talk about proper value, it's really, I, I wouldn't say proper value, I'll say your own value. You know, how do you go about valuating your prospects? Which takes us all the way back to our first episode of the season and how you go about making those determinations. That's kind of to each his own. And then as far as trading for and trading away, I've said this before and I've said it on other podcasts and, and, and other writings and whatnot. I tend to be risk averse. I tend to have a lot of analysis paralysis of what if I trade this guy and then he blows up, or what if I keep this guy and then he tanks. And so I think honestly, it comes down to having a vision of how you want your team and your farm system to round into, into play, right. And having some set dates in mind. So if it's 2022 now and you start the season, 
you should have an idea of like, okay, my farm system. So not even my major league team, but my farm system, I'm looking to graduate, you know, I'll just throw numbers out. Let's say you have 20 kind of standard 25 man minor league farm. Okay. Out of those 25 guys, I want to have five to six of those guys graduate to the major leagues by 2024. Okay. So that means that the other 20, 19 to 20 spots are essentially flyers or, uh, you know, flyers, dart throws, or guys that you should be okay with dealing. Even if they, even if they're, you know, they're ballooning in value. If they're not part of that pipeline that you are planning to have graduate, you should be okay with dealing. That's, that's a way I'm not saying it's the way that's a way to try to start to formulate your thoughts around who to deal, who not to deal and how to get that value. Trading for guys, I think, first and foremost, you never want to try to trade for a guy after, you know, after he's getting a bunch of ink because that just spikes the value, right? If I go asking after uh, a player and the manager goes and checks and is like, oh, Baseball America, you know, he just made their hot sheet or, um, you know, all the other different resources there uh, that are out there and, you know, we can see, oh, he's had a hot week. Oh, he got named player of the week on, you know, by MILB or by this site, by that site, whatever the case might be. Well, you know, I might do, de- I might still deal with if I'm that manager, but obviously instead of taking pennies, I'm, I want the whole dollar now. So you don't want to do something like that. Other than the obvious in that point, I would say, again, if you have an idea of knowing prospects that you like, so we've talked about that before, just there are certain types that we all have in mind, just being mindful of that. And again, having a sort of a blueprint of how you want your farm system. Look, if you don't want to go heavy with pitching prospects and you want to go with hitters because of, you know, the, the hit rate for lack of a better word with batters becoming major leaguers versus pitchers um, at a, at least at a faster time, that's a way to do it. If you, are going long-term. So it's a deep league. It's been around a while. You're like, you know what? My team is terrible. I'm in tank. I'm not looking to compete for a few years. So I can take some younger guys versus some more proven, but maybe lower ceiling guys. That's a way to go. The opposite of that is true. If you're like, Hey, everything lined up. I'm, I'm a couple pieces away from competing. I don't want to necessarily trade for the big names to compete, but if I can get the prospects to do it, I'll do it that way you know, 2023, 2024, boom, that's, that's all I need. Then you, you might be okay with, Hey, this guy's a superstar, but he's going to be an everyday player. I'll take that type of prospect. So there's a long way of me talking around that question, Derek. Uh, but to get back to, you want to have a game plan of what you want your team and your farm system specifically to look like the types of prospects you want. Um, if you're okay with swing and miss types, if you're okay with, um, you know, big K velocity types that may have poor command. That's okay. If you're on the opposite end of that, that's okay too. You also need to know what those outcomes tend to be. So big K velocity, low command, those tend to be a lot more of, you know, you want to look into the types of injuries that can happen with those pitcher types. Um, how often they end up in the bullpen. If you're okay with a lot of those types of prospects end up as actually relievers or Merp types instead of actual starters. 
um, if you're going for a big swing and miss, uh, but a, a lot of raw and game power type of um, hitters. You want to know, like, hey, they tend to play certain positions, corners, you know, third, first, right field, left field. Um, not super athletic a lot of times as far as being able to get moved around the diamond so they can get platooned easily. If they're if they're lefty, that's another way that they might end up in a platoon situation. Are you okay with that? And then honestly, and this is something that I'm trying to work on myself, is just being decisive and just being okay to live with that decision. And you, you, you can't get all the prospects right. You're going to miss on some guys. You have to be okay to live with that. You're going to take a guy and and think, I this guy's definitely going to be somebody, and he's not. And you're going to trade away or pass on somebody and think, no, he, he doesn't have it, and he's going to hit another level that you didn't foresee, whether it be offseason, you know, planning and, and working out that happens or just a change in pitch mix or swing change or whatever the case might be, and then, boom, there's a superstar. It happens. It's part of the game. It's part of the it's part of the adrenaline rush that we get. So, Derek, I would say as far as valuing, um, have a game plan. Stick to the game plan as much as you can, and um, let the let the chips fall where they may. So, with that, uh, I think we're going to call it a, a wrap as far as the podcast here. Send continue to send in um, questions, like I said, to all the different outlets to reach me, and I'll start to incorporate them into the podcast just on a weekly basis i think that that will be you know that'll be fun and it'll be helpful i'll continue as far as you know things to to um plug i will continue to have my farm system power rankings up uh that should be every uh, wednesday i believe and my minor league player and pitcher of the week which is every tuesday again i i need to make sure i have those (laughs) those dates um, correct, but I believe that's what it is. So those are kind of my consistent columns. I'm still looking into a couple of other subjects that I might want to delve deeper in as a, a deeper, longer form articles as well for picture list. Uh, the newsletter will be uh, back in full effect for the month of May. So inside fastball should be back after having a month off. Um, so look forward to that. You can uh, go ahead and subscribe to the newsletter through my Twitter page. Uh, and of course you can find me on Twitter at inside fastball, capital I, capital F, send in your questions, find me on PL plus server, uh, send me your questions that way. And, uh, you know, I'll try to incorporate them and try to send in open-ended questions so that they're not time sensitive, uh, so that, uh, you know, I may not get to them immediately, but I can work them into the show. If they're time sensitive, then I don't want people waiting around to make a trade or make a move uh, before I've gotten a chance to, to answer. So with all that being said, as always, I want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our other picture list pods on the picture list network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of picture list for you to find listen and subscribe. Again, I'm Lamar. You can find me on Twitter at inside fastball. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.